Welcome to the latest episode of Wait What? Sports Biz Chat with DP and McGee. I'm your co-host, Tim McGee. And I'm David Parrow. This is the podcast where we take a sometimes cynical, sometimes irreverent, and even sometimes a serious look at the world of sports. Uh, before we get started, David, I just wanted to make a couple of corrections uh, for errors that I made last week um, on the broadcast. Um, so mark that date because I rarely, <laughs> if ever, make mistakes. But uh, the first one was I said that the UEFA Champions League game was only available on Paramount Plus, uh, the streaming platform. That was not true. It was available also on um, CBS. And the second thing. Our good friend of the show, Terry Lefton, brought to my attention. Uh, O.J. Simpson, in fact, did not run through airports on behalf of Avis. Uh, he ran through airports as a pitchman for Hertz Rent-A-Car. So uh, ap- apologies to Avis. They did, not, um, they did not hire an acquitted murderer as a pitchman at some point oh. in that company's past. <laughs> Well, first of all, a couple of things. Uh, good thing uh, about the UEFA Champions League uh, final game because I was able to pick it up on CBS. I have not. I've dropped. I've dropped a lot of subscription bucks here, uh, but uh, do not have Paramount. Although I did do a quick run of it to get a few Champions League games uh, at one point earlier in the year. And second, it's nice to see Terry giving a listen. Yeah, it's always um, nice when people are great. actually a former attention. guest, one of our early guests, right? Terry Lefton of Sports Business Journal. That's great. That's great. So, what's on your mind this week, David? Well, listen, we are at another interesting time. Uh, a week ago, of course, the tragic shooting took place in Uvalde, Texas, uh, where 19 school children and several teachers were uh, were killed uh, at the hands of a guy with a big, powerful gun. Um, And it has gotten the attention, obviously, of the sports industry, and especially uh, several people in the in the uh, industry that make a living, living coaching or playing or uh, being in the business of of sport. Um, And so we, we had Steve Kerr come out immediately right before one of his semifinal games against the Mavericks. Uh, the game was actually in Texas, I think, that that night. And uh, he came out very strong. He didn't want to talk about basketball. He felt it was more important. Um, he got a lot of support, a lot of support, mostly support. Steve Kerr's father died by gunshot mm-hmm. um, in the Middle East. Um, and, uh, but other people jumped on as well. The Yankees and Rays did something very fascinating. They took all of their social channels uh, during a game and uh, started putting out information on gun statistics, um, gun violence statistics. And it was was scary to tell you the truth, Uh, but I thought that was a very interesting move. And then more recently, San Francisco Giants manager Gabe Kapler has decided he will not um, come out or plans not to come out for the national anthem um, because because he just feels there needs to be some change. Going back to the Steve Kerr situation, that is primarily what he did during his pregame press conference is talk about the need for change and got very um, detailed about that. Um, very emotional. Very, very emotional, of course. And he, of, among, you know, more than most, have a lot of reason to be very emotional about about that subject. 
Um, and Steve Kerr has never shied away from social issues, nor has the Golden State Warriors as an organization, by the way. Um, so listen, it's at it's at that time we saw we saw outpouring of support for Ukraine uh, after the invasion by Russia um, to take a stand, make statements, make comments, show support. Um, and when this happens, and it's happened before, obviously, we're two years after the George Floyd killing, um, and that was a big uh, time where um, it got very political. And in this case, because guns are a very political American issue, it, it will get that way again if people continue to um, speak out on it. But um, uh, one thing, by the way, I, I should add that Gabe Kapler decided that he was going to suspend his uh, protest, I guess we'll call it, uh, for Memorial Day, because it was Memorial Day this weekend. And, and obviously, um, the holiday is to, to honor those that have fallen in defense of this country. Uh, and they deserve certainly uh, all the respect and the families of those people deserve all the respect that the holiday um, demands, I suppose. Yeah, uh, I, I would say a couple things. Um, number one, what the Yankees and the Rays did in particular was, I found uh, very powerful because it was such a unique use of their social media channels. Um, and, and sometimes we, I read a statistic the other day where we, we think about mass shootings for an average of about four days as a, as a society. And then we move on to the next story du jour. Um, so this is something that maybe got people to think about it a little differently. The other thing I would say is, um, you know, there is, there is a certain faction of this country that, believes athletes should, to quote uh, a right-wing uh, media personality, it's probably the best way I can use to describe her, um, she, won't, she wants athletes to shut up and dribble. Um, you do not give up your right to the First Amendment and free speech um, because you put on a uniform or work in a, a sports venue. Um, you just don't, right? That's, it's not, that, that's something this country is based on, and it's not conditional on your location or your your job title. Um, the other thing I, I would say is, you know, I can understand people getting upset at somebody like Gabe Kapler uh, for not wanting to come out. What I wish is that there were more people who were understanding of the reasons why he does it, right? And it and it harkens back to something. Um, I had jotted down to talk about, not within the context of social justice issues, but um, it, it it touches them because of who I want to speak about, which is who is Colin Kaepernick. Um, after several years of being out of the league, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, brought Kaepernick in for a tryout. Now, I haven't heard whether or not uh, anything will come of that tryout, but I did, uh, I did think it was interesting um, that he is getting another look at the very least and then the vikings gm who used to be in the 49ers front office when uh kaepernick was there um while not coming out and saying that they would give kaepernick a, a tryout basically said there was no reason why they wouldn't um i don't know if that's just a change of feelings among front offices around the league uh maybe enough time has passed maybe people feel sort of like he has he has paid his penance um Quite honestly, being out of the league for what four years now, um, I think it would be very difficult for somebody in that playing that position to come back uh, and make an NFL roster. Um, but you know, sometimes uh, sometimes there are other considerations 
when making roster decisions. But um, I just thought it was interesting. Um, and, and, you know, David, I'm sure you you know this, but when when Cap decided to take a knee, he did so at the suggestion of a Green Beret um, who was originally opposed to the idea of Kaepernick sitting on the bench um, and then engaged in a conversation, something we don't do nearly enough as a society. Um, and they came up with the compromise of, of Kaepernick taking a knee. Right. Um, so if it's good enough for a Green Beret, somebody who fought for this country, it's it's good enough for me personally. Yeah. I think one of the things that's interesting about this, I don't think Steve Kerr or Gabe Kapler or Colin Kaepernick thought for a minute that 100% of Americans were going to be on their side in doing this. In fact, I think um, uh, in a way, the purpose of protest is to protest. Uh, and that means kind of somewhat going against the grain a little bit. So um, I, I think they went into it with with eyes wide open, and uh, we'll we'll have to see where this debate goes. It does seem like there is some potential movement. We've said that before, though, when it comes to uh, gun legislation. Uh, we'll have to see where it goes uh, for sure. So, Tim, in addition to the NCAA lacrosse championship, which we'll have to touch on at some point during the show. Um, the Indy 500 took place uh, over this weekend, and it was back to how we remembered it some time ago. Um, capacity crowd, 325,000 was the number given, most in 20 years, um, as they welcomed everybody back. And it was great to see. You know, you talk a lot about, you know, anything that that shows normalcy is a, is a nice thing to see in this business. And it certainly felt that way. And it did turn out to be a solid race. Uh, won by uh, Marcus Erickson, the Swedish driver, um, took the checkered flag, took the Borg Warner trophy, took the gallon of milk over his head. Um, and uh, it was it was it was a great scene. I wanted to congratulate the, you know, the new owners of Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Indy Racing, Roger Penske and the organization, Mike Mark Miles, who's the president of Penske Entertainment, and uh, also to Jay Fry, the president of IndyCar. Great show, guys. Great show. So was it truly a sellout, meaning was it was it televised locally within Indianapolis, which I find <laughs> fascinating, right? That that unless it's a complete and total sellout, it is not shown in the uh, indie yeah. market on TV. I, I, they 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 certainly did list it as capacity and, and the crowd looked amazing, I have to tell you. So I know they've had bigger crowds there before, but they're saying the best since uh in 20 years. So I think that says something. Um that place can probably hold 500,000 if they really jammed everybody in, in there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but they, it have did, a, it did, they have a golf course uh, in the what, infield right, for God's sake. Right. They have a, they have a good percentage of a golf course in the infield. The place is just amazing. And it's even, it looks even bigger when you're there than the two and a half miles that it is just because of the way it's shaped. What, what I want to know is does Speedway, Indiana, have they made themselves their own DMA so they can actually just call it a um, they could they could have the carve out just for a very small market versus Indianapolis? Probably not. But um, for if you don't know, Speedway is actually the city or town that the Speedway actually is in, which is basically the Speedway in a couple houses. Um, but I guess it allows them to control things a little a little more there. Um, and if there is a sports venue that deserves to have it to be in, the, you know, have the town named after what it is, 
it's probably uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So interesting news um, on the global football or soccer front. Um, I know you want to touch upon it a little bit later, but the women's UEA for Championships League, Champions League final had a global audience of over 3.6 million viewers, um, which is outstanding. Um, and we are not too far away from the launch of the World Cup. I read this past week that a number of uh, Middle East based airlines are going to be offering shuttle flights uh, into and out of Qatar on a daily basis, up to 180 daily shuttle flights. Um, so if uh, if getting tickets to the World Cup wasn't difficult enough and expensive enough, now if you're not one of the fortunate ones who has a hotel room in Qatar, which is difficult to find, you're going to have to shuttle in and out wherever you go. Yeah, as, as a member of the media that will obviously be covering the World Cup, <laughs> We're on one of those things, right? Without having to pay. You haven't you haven't checked into the pricing on those yet, have you? I, I have not. I just figured we yeah, I just figured we would get our media passes yeah. and our free uh yeah. shuttle yeah. ticket. And and we'll be and, yeah, and we'll probably be sent to the fire festival of World <laughs> Cup World Cup outings. Yes. Um if if that's the case. But um, you know, we, we do we do have a pretty solid um listenership. Uh, as it turns out, in in the Middle East, so so perhaps some, uh, yeah, perhaps some of our listeners can put us up. I think, as we said at the beginning, we sometimes take a serious look at sports, and we we certainly did uh, talking about the social justice issues. Um, but I think it's uh, I think it's time for us to take a break and get ready to welcome our guest. It's time for our guest. We are very pleased to be joined by Keith Wachtel, the Chief Business Officer of the NHL. We are in the midst of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and things are really heating up as we head to the conference finals. So we really appreciate Keith taking the time to uh, join us. 15 years with the uh, NHL, uh, seven years before that with the NFL, and quick trivia point, Tim and Keith and I all overlap, maybe even at the same time at SFX Sports or Clear Channel Entertainment whatever it really was at the time. So listen, uh, Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. And that just makes us seem really old with how long <laughs> uh, we go back to SFX. But it's great to be with you, gentlemen. Uh, thanks. So listen, as we do head into the conference finals, Rangers with an unbelievable uh, series win uh, coming in. And uh, give us your thoughts on this 2021-22 season, uh, one that featured two new TV partners in ESPN and uh, Turner. It's been nothing short of spectacular. The whole year uh, has been amazing. Uh, you mentioned two new broadcast partners in ESPN and Turner. Obviously, uh, NBC was a great partner. Um, but when you're able to shift uh, in today's sports landscape, media landscape, to uh, powerhouses like ESPN and Turner, uh, it's been nothing um, short of, like I said, phenomenal for us. Uh, and you see that right now in the television ratings. You see it in the interest in the game. Um, people just tune in. They tune into ESPN for their, their, their sports and entertainment. And what's amazing about Turner is if you think about their portfolio of sports properties, it's, it's, it's tier one premium programming. And the NHL fits really nicely. And, and we've also always had one broadcaster. Now we have two. 
Uh, we're hitting new audiences. Our female viewership is up 30% on Turner. And we're getting twice as much promotion. So the, the new broadcasters have been great. Uh, the, the emergence of us being on more streaming platforms, uh, I think, is helping with the millennial and where uh, media is, is going. And certainly can't say enough about our partnership with Rogers in Canada, uh, who's been our long, longstanding partner there. The game on the ice has never been better. Uh, the goal scoring is up. Uh, the enthusiasm, the excitement, uh, the teams that were in the playoffs, the four teams that are left, uh, haven't been in this position other than Tampa in quite some time. But what a great story about Tampa trying for a three-peat, which is really unheard of, uh, certainly in our sport, and let alone um, the overall sports landscape. So we couldn't be more thrilled um, from that standpoint. Corporate partnerships, licensing business, things are really, really good and, and, and can't be uh, more pleased with the season so far. Yeah, it was uh, that game seven last night in particular. What a great, what a great time for the Rangers to pull out a road win, right? Um, you know, you've had a lot of success um, attracting sponsors. What is it? Uh, what are what are your sponsors doing that's that's exciting and fun and, and unique um, to engage your fans? Um, in particular, if you can talk about the recent Chipotle activation. I know it was uh, it was really spearheaded by Chipotle, but I just thought it was so, so clever, so uh, engaging and so different. But what are some of the other things your sponsors are doing to engage your fans? So we, we have really innovative sponsors. I think our demographic, the fan base that we reach really lends itself to the, the broad kind of array of partners that we have. You mentioned Chipotle. We were the first sport national sport that Chipotle entered into a relationship with. And that says a lot about what the offering is for the NHL, the value proposition that we have the ability to provide. So from that standpoint, you know, we're, we're really excited about our portfolio of partners, specifically as it relates to Chipotle and what they did with their mixed reality ad. Uh, it was uh, really Chipotle's idea. It was the brainchild of Chipotle and um, their their agency, Media Hub. And it was a local execution with Colorado, but realizing what a great opportunity it could be to expand that, we worked closely with them and our broadcast partner to integrate it within the playoffs. Obviously, given the nature of the playoffs being a national platform, they needed to work with us to make sure that we um, were comfortable with the, the rights that were being used. But it's a great example of the opportunity that exists, I believe, with uh, the NHL and its media partners that I don't necessarily think really exists elsewhere. Uh, and Chipotle's ability to activate in that manner is great for us. And that's really what we get excited about, especially this time of year. The amount of partners that are activating against the playoffs is tremendous. And, and as I said before, the value proposition that I think we bring to the table is uh, as good, if not better than any of the other major sports properties. And just look at the playoffs, not just the ratings, but the amount of games, right? You look at the first round, five game sevens. Uh, you look at the second round, now heading into the third round and the teams that we have. Um, there's a tremendous competitive balance that we have. The games are close. Uh, and I think our partners really look at this time of year, these two months, and everyone writes about it. It is it is easily the best playoffs in sports. It's two months of nonstop action, night in, night out. 
uh, and they see the opportunity to activate and take advantage of it. And Chipotle was a, was a great example. And I think you're going to start to see a lot more of that uh, as uh, agencies and clients look for different ways to connect uh, using some unique creative executions. The NHL is definitely uh, heralded as having just an unbelievable playoff uh you know, regimen, if you will, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, but there is also some other things that are very unique. In addition, of course, to your all-star weekend, which this year was in Las Vegas and it was a tremendous weekend, uh, you have these outdoor series that have been huge hits in in the local markets, the stadium series, the Heritage Classic, and of course, the Winter Classic on New Year's Day. Uh, tell us a little about how important those games are to your partners that get associated with those and also in building the sport? Great question. It's, it's such an important part of the overall marketing of the league. The, like I said, the uniqueness of our sport that we provide to our partners, whether that's our media partners on a national and local level, um, our business partners, our licensees, um, you know, we've done at this point, you know, well over 30 games. They're all unique. Uh, you ask anyone who's been to them, it is a tremendous experience. It's like a Super Bowl. The nice thing about what we do is we go to markets where Super Bowls generally don't. And in that market, that's what it is. It's sold out, game in, game out, no matter where it is, no matter how cold it is, right? Minnesota, the coldest game on record for us. So they really have provided a platform for us to activate in what is a really long season, right? Nine-month season, and um, marketers look at continuity, which obviously they didn't get through their various marketing channels and certainly from media. But what are those kind of high points? And most properties have some big event, whether it's their finals. We all have that. Uh, All-star game, uh, which, you know, obviously is, is important. But what else differentiates, uh, you know, you from the rest during a long season like we have, as I mentioned? So these outdoor games or other events that we create, you know, we were the first to create the draft around the all-star game, and then many came after and copied. We like to take risks. We like to be creative. I, I like to think that we don't take ourselves too seriously when it comes to making these decisions. And it all starts at the top. It starts with ownership. It starts with uh, Commissioner Bettman and Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. They give us the opportunity to create these unique events, these unique opportunities, uh, and our partners support them. Without the support from our partners, our broadcasters, and, and, and everyone in the ecosystem, you can't get it done. And you need the players, right? That's what is also very unique. There's a reason you don't have a lot of the things that the NHL has developed in other sports, because I don't think that the players would have the same level of interest uh, in doing that, stepping out of their comfort zone, doing something like playing in the outdoors. So, you know, it really takes the whole ecosystem, as I said, of the NHL to buy into it. Uh, and we've had that at all levels. And it is definitely one of the reasons that we have been as successful as we have been. David knows I, I don't mind going out on a limb with bold predictions and, um, Strong opinions, so I'm gonna I'm gonna offer my opinion. By the way, the Bucks are not going to win the NBA championship this year. I I haven't mentioned that yet, but just I know, I'm gonna drop that in now. But my my in my humble opinion, the Stanley Cup is the most difficult team championship to win because of what you have to go through 
not just get through the regular season, but to go through um, four series, which could, you know, if they all go seven games, right, 28 games, which is, you know, almost a, a, another third of a season after being beat up. Anyway, um, I'll get off my soapbox now. Uh, Keith, no, keep can... going. Keep going. We love, <laughs> I love that soapbox. Screaming from the rooftops, Tim. I, I, I will. I will. Um, like a lot of other leagues, um, the NHL has uh, a number of sports betting partners. Can you talk a little bit about your perspective on how sports betting is changing the landscape, not only for sponsorships, but also for um, for your fan engagement and what you're seeing in terms of more fan avidity, deeper engagement, things like that? Well, first, I don't think it's a bold prediction. I think your statement is, is, <laughs> is spot on. It, it is a great playoffs and, and goes back to the players, the heart and soul uh, of the sport. These players, they're gladiators. I mean, these guys are getting beat up. Right. Guy takes a puck to the face. He goes into the locker room, gets, you know, 10 stitches and he's, he's back barely missing a shift. Um, you know, they're going down on blocking, you know, last night, the Rangers uh, up six, two guys are diving on the floor on the ice, um, blocking slap shots. Uh, and, and at that point, the game was pretty much over. That's what the mentality is. And that's why the, the playoffs are so special. So I agree with you, Tim. Uh, as it relates to sports betting partners, uh, we, we have a lot of them. Um, we have all the big ones. And that was done. You know, we, we looked at it and said, you know what? We want, um, you know, the, the quality over quantity and have done several deals in the U.S. And, and emerging ones in Canada. And while it is a new category that is driving revenue, which is always great, it, it always helps when you can demonstrate growth uh, in revenues uh, from new categories, uh, which is extremely helpful. Um, but the reality is it pales in comparison to the overall revenue streams of any property. And the real value in sports betting is, is truly is fan engagement. It is the ability to get fans to ultimately watch more, engage more, whatever platform that, that might be. And as we start to get a little bit more with hockey, which has always been underserved um, in the sports betting universe, because there's not a lot of ways to bet on hockey. When you start including things like NHL Edge, which is our our puck and player tracking system, and you get to the point shortly where you start to do more in-game prop bets, uh, which you see a lot from the other sports properties, you have more engagement. And we all know if you bet on anything, whether it's, it's sports betting, social gaming, uh, it could be fantasy, you engage more. And, you know, we joked, I mean, the NBA has had, you know, great, great two teams in the, in the finals um, and their postseason you know, a lot of blowouts, a lot of discussions about um, that. But in the realm of sports betting, there's still a lot of engagement. There's still 6 million people watching the blowout between the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns. A lot of that is because people were engaged throughout in sports betting. So if you think about what the opportunity for all of us is to engage our fans in, in new and unique ways. Now, I will say this, though. We have a responsibility to do it responsibly. Um, we have to partner with companies like the AGA and have a game plan, which is something that many of us have done. And we have to make sure that we get the message out there. That is to bet responsibly because um, it is a new day and age and people have the ability at the, you know, the palm of their hands to place a bet in seconds. Uh, 
for any sporting event around the world. So we do feel that we have a responsibility. But Tim, the real, the real, you know, the positive here for the sports properties is the fan engagement. And that's what we all want. And that's good for broadcasters. And that, that's good for, for everyone. So as long as we could do it responsibly, um, we do it the right way. It's not, you know, in your face in every broadcast. Let fans see what they want to see. Those that want more in, in, integrated uh, in, in the sports betting world in their broadcasts or in their, you know, their streams can have that. If you don't want that, you don't have to have it. Um, but I think fans want to see it. It's, it's interesting to get a sense as a game progresses, what are the odds? Uh, and it, it provides for more engagement. And that's ultimately what, uh, what we're excited about as it relates to sports betting. Hey, Keith, over the years, there's been a fair amount of talk about um, moving to a digital dashboard system. And could you share a little on where that stands? And would that be controlled by the league if you move to it? And what, what impact might that have from a local team standpoint? Yes, my, uh, my pet project for the last seven years. Um, this will be, this will revolutionize uh, uh, signage for sports, certainly for our sport. Um, we have been working tirelessly with our technology partner uh, to continually test, evolve the technology, which at this point is flawless. Uh, you will see this um, at some point soon. Uh, integrate into the sport uh, every game, every night. This will be the new normal for us. And it truly is a game changer because it will allow us, um, the NHL, our clubs, our national local rights holders to work together to provide a better experience for brands, a better experience for viewers because the, um, the, the way the game is portrayed will be in a better way. Uh, production elements, things like that. So we are really excited about it. And I, like I said, it is probably the biggest change that you will see in the last 20 to 30 years in signage for sports. As it relates to the business model, um, like many of our um, opportunities that we, that we create with our teams, the local inventory will be the clubs. That's what it's always been. Uh, the national inventory will be with the league. Uh, and in some respects, we'll share in that inventory depending on the kind of game. Um, but it allows us to look at how you sell signage differently to your existing partners. And when you see this, uh, whenever that may be, probably sometime next season, uh, you're going to be amazed at what this new technology um, can provide. Well, we're looking forward to that. Keith, before we let you go, we have two questions we like to ask all our guests. So if you can indulge us. The first one is, um, how did you get your start in the sports business? And then the follow-up is, what advice do you have for somebody who's looking to break into it now? Well, your career got started. Well, just started. So I started my career on the advertising agency side as a media buyer, uh, coming out of college, didn't know really what I wanted to do. Uh, so I went into advertising, it was young, it was a fun social business. Uh, and I really began to see the power of media, more traditional TV media at that point in the, in the nineties and really saw the power of sports. I, I've played sports. I always loved sports, but that's, that just happened to be some of the accounts that I had. 
Uh, went back to school at night and got my MBA just because I wanted to get a little bit of a different mindset um, on business, uh, be a little bit more well-rounded. And then ultimately ended up moving on into sports and working for, like I said, SFX, the NFL, and, and now the NHL. Uh, and it's been tremendous. I love what I do. Uh, I don't think a lot of people can say that. So that is, that's nice. Uh, it's a, it's a great industry. I've gotten to meet a lot of great people, a lot of smart people and do some really, um, fun things over my career. Um, but it's still, it's still work. It's still a business. So, you know, some of my career advice to people is don't get into sports because you like sports. Um, if you, uh, just cause you played it, just cause you like it, uh, doesn't mean that that's what you should be doing. Um, get into sports, get into any profession because um, you want to learn about the business and you want to get involved and understand the business and be part of that uh, opportunity. Um, not necessarily because, um, you know, as you know, you get jaded now that you've been in it. You don't actually watch it the same way. You don't get to enjoy it the same way when you work in it. But the advice to people coming out, it's different today, especially with um, post-pandemic and, and remote work um, is be relentless in your pursuit. Um, don't take no for an answer. Um, start out at the ground floor, whatever that may be, um, but make sure that you position yourself to learn as much as you can from as many people as you can within your organization, because what you think you might want to do when you're in your early 20s will be very different than what you want to do in your late 20s, perhaps early 30s. Um, and, um, like I said, um, those that work the hardest end up to be the most successful. So ho hopefully that answers your question. That's Absolutely. a great answer, Keith. Thank you so much for that insight. And we really do appreciate you jumping on with us. Best of luck through the remainder of the Stanley cup playoffs through the finals. Uh, we're going to be tuned in. So you have a great night and, uh, we'll talk soon. Great. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Take Thanks, care. Keith. Wanted to again thank Keith Wattell, the Chief Business Officer of the NHL, for joining us. They are in the midst of a wonderful Stanley Cup playoffs right now. Uh, and I wanted to add one thing to his comments about his the outdoor series. I had the opportunity to go to the stadium series event in Nashville this year, and it was absolutely not only a blast, but it was just an unbelievable activation for the league uh, in terms of the support they get from the local community. Uh, I was there on behalf of uh, uh, client OFX, uh, one of the new sponsors that uh, Keith has ushered in to the sport, uh, along with my friends at uh, Boom Ventures, and just a really great time. So uh, thank you for the hospitality to that and, and also for joining. Uh, we are at that point of the show where we like to take a quick look ahead and uh, talk about the things that we might be focused on. Tim, what do you have your eye on? Well, I'm going to take a look backwards for just one second because it wouldn't be an episode of Wait, what? Wait. without a discussion of <laughs> Cornell lacrosse. I just want to give props to the University of Maryland, which uh, beat Cornell in the national championship 9-7. Um, to cap an undefeated season, just a phenomenal team. But it does not take away from the great season that Coach Connor Busick and the uh, Cornell Big Red had. Um, as one of my friends said uh, after the game, we didn't lose, we ran out of time. Uh, but, you know, there is one of my one of my high school teammates reached out to me today and said, what, if you're asked, uh, what are some of the business lessons you learned from a game like yesterday? And I thought it was a really 
uh, insightful question. I don't know why he asked it because I didn't go to high school with the too many brainiacs. But anyway, I thought it was a good question. And I said, you know, number one, there's there's never any shame in losing to a, a great competitor. Uh, number two is, uh, you know, the value of never giving up because you don't know what's going to happen. And the third thing is, you know, I was really uh, I am always really impressed when I go to uh, when I go to an event where there's a lot of Cornell alumni there. I see teammates. I see fraternity brothers. I see classmates. Um, and, and the power of those relationships, which in my case now are, you know, more than half, much more than half my life. So uh, that's what looking backwards, looking forward, a couple of things. Um, number one, we had some news last week we didn't touch upon. Uh, Pepsi has uh, dropped its sponsorship of the Super Bowl halftime. So I'll be really curious to see what Rainey Anderson and the folks at NFL come up with. I'm sure they're not going to have too much trouble um, selling that sponsorship. I don't want to minimize what it takes to sell a $50 million sponsorship, but it's just a phenomenal platform. Um, and then kudos to um, the folks at Major League Soccer and Carter Ladd, who heads up that partnership group. They signed Caterpillar um, as a sponsor. Um, and Caterpillar, which, you know, as most of you know, is a heavy construction equipment manufacturer. It doesn't scream consumer brand and it doesn't scream soccer fan, um, but they saw value in uh, in Major League Soccer. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to activate that sponsorship. What about yeah, yourself? Some, some big news on the, on, on the sponsorship front and several others that we'll be talking about in coming weeks. First of all, two things. Um, in regard to how you open that segment. One, I actually hope we don't have too many of your high school friends that listen to this show, at least this episode. Um, uh, <laughs> but a sincere congratulations for a great season for Big Red Lacrosse. It was uh, great. And I'm happy that you got me into it. So thanks for that. Oh, um, I, watched, I watched uh, the semifinal uh, win against Rutgers, uh, that great story of the... Uh, of the cursed brothers, uh, and their family. Yeah. Their and, dad, uh, their dad was a longtime coach here in summit where I live. Yeah. Um, just a great guy. And, and, you know, was, he and his wife have raised uh, five phenomenal young men. Yeah. And, and it really was a, a great, uh, they never gave up. And even though that Maryland team was dominant, uh, they, they never gave up and, and they really, uh, did give it uh, give it a go there at the end, so that was great. Uh, I wanted to talk about what what you had mentioned a little bit ago, and that was the UEFA Champions League uh, final. And the team that I was pulling for, Liverpool, uh, came up a little short, even though they dominated the statistics of the game. Uh, they lost one uh, nil to uh, Real Madrid uh, in uh, the the Champions League final in Paris, but there was controversy getting in. The game was delayed close to 45 minutes um, because fans couldn't get in. And there's an investigation that is now underway about the chaotic scenes going on and the confusion and the violence outside of the stadium as mostly Liverpool fans were not able to get in. Mm -hmm. The initial reaction was that, it, that there was a lot of fraud in, and I don't know what happened. But the investigation will be interesting to say because this is a major, major event. Uh, and if we're going to get back to normal, this stuff has to be very easy to handle. We have to be able to get, but the, but the Liverpool fans seem to be going through a one turnstile. Um, and I'm not saying that, uh, that the Liverpool fans who are as rowdy as all great soccer fans can be, um, 
you know, we're, we're completely innocent here, but it will be interesting to see what happened, why it happened, uh, and why there wasn't a little more control over that. It's just too great of an event and too important of an event uh, after this kind of season that, uh, that both of these teams had. Um, and, uh, so, uh, I'm going to have my eye on, uh, what comes out of that, uh, out of that investigation. Yeah. A, cu- a couple things. Number one, if you paid all that money to get a ticket to the match, you paid for your flight or channel train or whatever it is to get yourself from England or other parts of the world only to find yourself being sort of, uh, you know, funneled into this one entry, you can see where frustration, um, would, would mount pretty quickly. But, you know, as quickly as the French officials came out and blamed the Liverpool Liverpool fans, you know, Chairman Tom Werner and, and President Billy Hogan, um, you know, came out just as quickly and said, whoa, hold on, you know, don't, you know, be blaming us until you've conducted that investigation that you just referred to. Right. And even, even on the broadcast, as they were in delay, the, the people that were handling the delay and keeping, you know, fans interested and in, in watching were really ripping into all of those initial announcements that were coming out and kind of blaming the fans. I mean, Liverpool has gone through its share of tragedy uh, when it comes to this. And it doesn't look like that was, it never necessarily went that far. Thankfully. Um, thankfully, thankfully. Uh, and, you know, but, but, you know, Real Madrid, their their keeper was just amazing and they won the match. Uh, uh, I don't think what happened outside necessarily impacted anything that happened on the pitch. Uh, and therefore it was a, it was a clean final, a uh, disappointing one for Reds fans, of course. Uh, but, um, but they had a lot to celebrate this year. So listen, Tim, um, that brings us to the end. Once again, I want to thank Keith Wachtel for joining us from the NHL today. Really enjoyed that discussion particularly as we are so deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs here. And as always, we thank you for giving us a listen. If you like what you hear, please share, leave a review, or reach out to us on LinkedIn or Twitter. All these engagement tools that uh, that we have put in place for you to communicate with us. Uh, so until next week, I'm DP, he's McGee, and we'll talk soon.